Hey everybody, Monday night edition, Labor Cup recap. I know it's a tough night. I know you Chicago fans out there, we got the Bear game on, but hopefully you could uh, come on board for about 10 minutes and talk about all the awesomeness that happened the last three days in Geneva, Switzerland. Team Europe squeaked by, third year in a, in a row, won the Labor Cup. I got the Team World colors on because, you know, I'm from America, but I mean, that said, I loved every second of that event. I was fortunate enough to go last year to one of the sessions. The atmosphere in Chicago was electric. It was obviously electric the first year. It was electric in Switzerland, and it's going to be electric in the Boston Garden next year and for years to come. Um, it, it was awesome, and we're going to get into all that. As always, this week's courtside with Beelson tennis segment is brought to you by the Ragged Man, the industry leader in racket stringing, racket repair, and customization. Go to www.theragamand.net for more info. Okay, put this over here. Let's kind of before we get into to Labor Cup, you know, where are we at right now? We're at we're at the fall schedule, and for those that uh, for those of you that know me, you you know my thoughts on the fall schedule. Um, it needs to be changed. It absolutely needs to be changed. The tennis season is way, way too long, and really the, the interest wanes. The players are exhausted. The players' bodies are beat up. Um, the fans themselves, the interest basically wanes. Obviously, there's your small, small percent of hard, hardcore fans that just never stop 24-7, and we love those fans. Don't get me wrong, but the schedule needs to change, and, and I've said this um, several times. My proposal is after the last slam, you freeze the rankings. Pick a number, top 20, let's say. Then you have the guys rank 21 through whatever, play tournaments, get some of the lower-ranked guys into some main draws that maybe they would have had difficulty getting in if some of the top guys played. Um, no Masters 1000s. You eliminate the Masters 1000s because what you've seen in the past is ridiculous ranking surges from players um, just because a lot of the top players don't play anymore. They're kind of... Uh, zoned out the rest of the year so get rid of the masters 1000s um and again freeze the rankings let the lower ranking guys play and and let the rankings still adjust however no one can leapfrog after we freeze it at let's say top 20 so that's my proposal i think a lot of people would be on board with that especially the players so um we'll see and as far as you know another general topic defending points um noah rubin and mike cation had a podcast last week on it, and you know my my theory with that. I don't know a lot of different a lot of sports that make you defend what you've done the previous year. I think that's kind of I don't know I, I I don't I don't like how that system is. Let's start everybody at zero. Just start everybody at zero at the beginning of the year, and yeah, you know the the first few tournaments in January and then Australia. You have your entry deadlines. Um, I'm not sure when every entry deadline is for every tournament, but you may have some entry deadlines at the end of 19 that are for the first few 2020 tournaments. Um, Just use the rankings based at that time where the entry deadline is. Let me see this one comment from Sam Kirchhoff. If you don't play the Masters after the Open, do you squeeze them in somewhere else? Yeah, those are all things that we're going to pan out. Um, But I think we're all all in agreement to get rid of those Masters 1000s. Um, in the fall. So anyway, again, going back to the the point system with the rankings. No more defending points. 
You use the end of the year rankings, especially whenever those entry deadlines in for those first few tournaments in 2020. You go by those rankings, and then you just start. You get those players in, and then 2020 starts, and you start, and results determine your ranking. That's what it is in most every other sport. If I'm missing something basic, um, I don't know all the intricacies of of how golf does it, so if someone has um, more information on that, chime in. But but basically every other sport, no one's really defending points from the previous year. So um, that's my little proposal on that. Okay. Let's get to all the fun stuff, right? Labor Cup. You, uh, I mean, this is the third year in a row. It's unbelievable. You need 13 points to win. You're looking at the rosters itself, and everybody in their right mind says, Team Europe in a landslide. I mean, what, I heard they had like top seven uh, of the top 11 ranked players in the world. I mean, it was unbelievable. Um, again, you look at the rankings, you can't average them out because you got a guy like Jack Sock, who's obviously the best doubles player in the world, um, his singles ranking has obviously slid drastically the last two years. Hopefully you can get that ranking back up a little bit. Um, but again, on paper, you're like, there's no way Team World can compete. And boy, oh boy, compete they did. So um, a few things. The coaching of the players by the players is exceptional. Um, you saw Rafa and Fed, um, you saw their insight in a way that no one has ever seen that um, seen them before. And whether it was Fed coaching Rafa, Rafa coaching Fed, Rafa and Fed coaching other players, it was just awesome to see. And, you know, look, did they say anything that no one's ever heard uh, ever heard of before? No. But you get inside their mindset a little bit. And, yeah, as a coach, I'm, my ears were all tuned in. Um, it was so, so cool for the fans' perspective, from a coaching perspective, um, from every perspective, it was super, super cool. So Friday, as we know, matches are one point. You had Dominic Team lead off with a win over Denis Shapovalov, too. Um, you know, I think they were first year for both these guys. Team gets a point. Then you have Fanini versus Sock. Um, Fanini, this is his first time. He looked terrible in the first set. Played a little bit better in the second set. Sock won that singles match. First win, first singles win since November of 2018, I believe. So maybe that'll get him going a little bit on the single side. We hope so. So it was 1-1. Then we had Pass over Fritz, 10-7 in a super breaker. And then the doubles match, you have Federer and Zverev actually beating Jack Sock and Denis Shapovalov. I didn't know how good the Sock-Shapovalov matchup would be. I predicted 3-1 Europe as it was. The only difference was I think I had Fanini over Sock, but then Shapovalov and Sock beating Roger and Zverev in a tight one. But, but that's just because Sock is so damn good in doubles. But anyway, 3-1 Europe, and now you start getting it be interesting in the next day because these matches are now two points. And you had Zverev versus John Isner. Zverev was winning 85% of that match. Isner wins in a super breaker. You're seeing a lot of these matches in super breakers. Very close. You then have Federer versus Nick Kyrgios. Fed wins 10-7 in a super breaker. Followed by Nadal. It's great to have the two goats back-to-back. Nadal plays Raonic. He beats Raonic. So right there, you're now at 7-3 to three Europe. And if Nadal and Tsitsipas beat Kyrgios and Sok, you're at 9-3. And that would be too much for World to handle. World 1 with Kyrgios and Sok. Instead of 9-3, it's now 7-5. That's a huge difference. In that match, by the way, Nadal and Tsitsipas versus Kyrgios and Sok. I mean, Tsitsipas was the weak link in that Um I thought he needed some football gear to wear 
because Kyrgios and Sock were absolutely just teeing off on forehands at him. Um, I think we all wanted the Kyrgios Sock versus Rafa Fed doubles matchup. I mean, that would be unbelievable. How fun would that be? Um, it wasn't matched up that way. But um, anyway, that was a match Team World needed to win. And they go to bed after Saturday's matches only down 7-5. Now you go to Sunday, and some chaos kind of uh, erupted on Sunday. Sunday's matches are three points, and again, you need to get to 13. You start with some withdrawals. Rafa Nadal scratch. Now, we can go into the timing of all this, and Team World didn't get to match up, which they had the right to do. Um, We won't get into all those details, but the fact of the matter is we were supposed to see Fed and Rafa versus Sock and Isner, which would have been awesome. We didn't. We got Fed and Tsitsipas, Rafa out day three. They played Sock and Isner. Sock and Isner won in a great match, 10-8 in the third. Team World now takes the lead, 8-7. You then have Team, again, subbing in for Nadal on singles. He was supposed to play Nick Kyrgios. Kyrgios scratch with the shoulder. Team plays Taylor Fritz. Fritz wins 10-5 in the Super Breaker. Team World from Saturday night, plus the first two matches on Sunday, won three matches in a row. Team World is now up 11 Seven with two matches to go. You need 13. Roger plays John Isner. Roger comes through again. 6 3, 7 6. Okay? It is now 11 10. Team World is. It comes down to the last match. Sasha Zverev versus Milos Raonic. Raonic first time in the event. Zverev clenched the year before in Chicago. Zverev wins in a super breaker, and with that, 13-11, Team Europe gets it done. It was so exciting. Um, crazy. I mean, it's just, this is what tennis needs, and especially after the last slam. You look at the attendance in some of these events that are going on now in the fall, there's no one there, and this isn't even summer now, so it's not like there's field trips from camps that get to go. People are working, kids are in school, um, you need events like this, and you shorten them up. You don't have a Monday through Sunday. You could do like this, a Thursday through Sunday, or Labor Cup was Friday through Sunday. Shorten it up, get everyone's interest involved, and get the place packed. This is what tennis needs. Not these extra fall events where pretty much everyone is so beat up, especially the top guys who have played so many matches. Um, it, it's amazing. And, you know, some some stats. I want to kind of talk about Jack Sock because he – while he struggled in singles, he is unbelievable in doubles. And after he had won, Saka had won six of eight of Team World's points after the first match on Sunday. And I think he had won, I read on Twitter, 16 of 25 points over the past three years. 16 of 25 Team World's points um, over the past three years after his first match on Sunday. I mean, he is the MVP of Team World. There's no doubt about it. Um, again, I know he hasn't been... You know, great on the single side of things, but boy, oh boy, does he help them in doubles. And he, he won a singles match this year. So, again, it was pretty incredible, this event. Um, next year, it's in Boston Garden. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be electric. We all know Nick Kyrgios loves the Boston Celtics, so he'll be extra amped up. I know he was crushed not to be able to play. Um, these guys love it. The players are so juiced. Even after the slam, you see how much this meant to them. They're playing for more than themselves, 
and it's a team environment where everybody can get behind them. And, and the crowds, the last three years have been sensational. Whether you're behind Team World, whether you're behind Team Europe, it's been incredible. This is what tennis needs, especially after the last slam. Um, it was awesome. I hope you enjoyed it. You Chicago fans, go watch the rest of the Bear game. Hopefully they get it done. This was awesome, guys. Thanks for tuning in. I know a lot of you are away. It's a tough night to do it. Appreciate you watching it on replay. Uh, crazy good. This was just crazy good this past weekend. Rafa and Fed, the coaching by them, pure magic, absolute gems. We'll see you soon. Thanks, everybody.